<laughs> totally. Well, you're kind of scared. I, I had I had this experience this weekend. I was blacktail hunting in some pretty steep country, and I, I I kept sneaking up on deer, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh shit, that's a big deer. Like that's probably a buck, and if, if it's a buck, I'm gonna have to shoot it, and then I'm gonna have to deal with it, and I'm gonna have to like get this awful pack out. I honestly don't know if I'm physically capable of doing so. I was like, oh, thank God it's a doe. Oh, thank God. Okay, good. Yeah, carry on. The, the truck is hunting. far too far away. <laughs> yeah, totally. Welcome to Muttering Pines, the show where us city folk try to cowpoke. We drink beer, talk about ATVs, life outside the city, homesteading, entrepreneurship, and ultimately trying to do stuff with our hands. And hear you. Well, hi. Hi. How's it going? You've never seen a more angry person than me. (laughs) Holy mother trucker. I guess that's what happens when we take a three and a half month hiatus, hey? Yeah, my my PC absolutely shit the bed. It started updating, and now my Bluetooth receiver, which refused my headphones, it thinks it's a a mouse receiver now. Oh, yeah. Good one. So, like, I plug it in, and it's just like, oh, it's a Logitech unifying remote receiver. I'm like, no, that's a Bluetooth receiver. And I'm just, like, everything just fucking died. I can't open Chrome, because Chrome won't uh, won't update. Like, what the hell's going on here? Wow. Yeah, that... three months of a computer being off. That's... That's shitty. I, uh, I was... I, I use Windows, too. Uh, for these, for these, right? So I, I, I was looking around my sound settings, hoping I could find something for you to to help you. And uh, uh, unfortunately, I was not able to find any bullets inside my Windows <laughs> settings. Um, so a virtual bullet, <laughs> <laughs> not a virtual one, just a, a real bullet. Just, yeah, just, just make one. it a tank round, an anti fucking personnel round. So it's been three months since we sat down here. January and I were talking about this earlier. If not we four. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, cheers, guys. Cheers oh, to you. Mine's almost all gone because we were waiting. Oh, for I had coffee because I've been waiting <laughs> since this morning. <laughs> this thing was scheduled for 8 o'clock this morning. <laughs> well, it sure is good that Dylan couldn't be here till five minutes from now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good to see you guys, even though it hasn't been that long since I've seen you, seen you. But mm-hmm. good That's to true. see you in this setting again. Mm-hmm. Agreed. It has been a while. Good news is Matt still hasn't drywalled, and I know he's got it. Mm-hmm. I don't, actually. It's in my neighbor's garage. The reason I don't have it is because it came in a lift of all his stuff. Oh. And uh, he hasn't done as yet, and mine's at the very back bottom. So. Oh, really? Oh, bummer. I mean, yeah, and it at has this been. Point, I don't care. <laughs> it's been so long that Matt hasn't drywalled, and my drywall has started to mold on the bottom because there's a break in my foundation in this room, which is why my camera is now facing a different part of the room. I had to move my desk away so I could, so I could get at that. Because your feet yucky. were wet. Yeah, yeah. What you guys didn't know is every time we were recorded, I was in terrible danger of being electrocuted because I was sitting in a puddle. Surrounded by electronics. Yeah. Do you have a wood or a, a concrete foundation? It's con- it's concrete, but it's like the oldest concrete. It's sand now. Yeah, it's, it's sand. It's, you have a yeah. sand foundation. I have a sound. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, is this recording? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
because you started recording about an hour ago. It's we're like we've maxed out the servers. <laughs> <laughs> Just dead air. Yeah. I was gonna say I can hear your mouse clicking, so better figure out whatever you're figuring out now <laughs> yeah i'll just stop clicking it because i was uh i was just trying to reboot the computer once more but i don't i really don't think that's going to fix anything so we're and just going to work on the phone i think matt needs a chromebook for christmas <laughs> no i yeah. don't i don't need anything that's funny uh, just I a whole bunch of you see a tune-up though if you want i'm more than willing to come by and give your windows a good scrubbing which is something that i believe it or not i'm very good at I honestly think it's just the hardware is so old that it's uh, just unable to keep up because yeah. the, the yeah, computer possible. was completely formatted before I turned it all on because it is a new computer to me and it's pure format. And uh, yeah, she's just gronky as hell. Mm-hmm. Long, long before the great success story of muttering pines, uh, <laughs> when I was very young, <laughs> I was an IT guy. And uh, uh, I worked at a place here in Calgary called Tech Squad, who I'm now going to give free advertising to all of our listeners. Go to Tech Squad if you need help, because they hire guys like me who will definitely look through your stuff while they're fixing your computer. But I absolutely got very good at troubleshooting Windows machines that were like working on hardware they had no business being on anymore. So if you want me to to take a crack at that thing, you just let me know. Other than your... uh tech problems matt how you doing i've had better days <laughs> i got back from tulsa long week down there yep came home uh played with the kids and then it was winter time because winter's come now and it's staying so i moved all the bees into the the bee trailer which is officially complete uh but so the trailer work. the trailer yeah. you can monitor the and adjust temperature remotely now yeah it's i just have remote control fans in it so mm-hmm. I can either they monitor temperature and can adjust their speeds accordingly. Inkbird so, is the brand, and they Inkbird, okay, yeah, of all things, they they do temperature control, thermostatic control stuff, and so I have several of their products, and they're bulletproof. Yeah, just they're going to be simple. so surprised when they get an invoice from Muttering Pines for all the free advertising we just gave <laughs> them just now. <laughs> well, It'll be one dollar per listener per hour of podcast. Which means that we will be sending him a bill for fifty-four cents. <laughs> so all that you got all that set up. Yes. And you can't join a website with your headphones. Uh, <laughs> well, you know what? I take it back. Windows does suck. If you, yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right, Darren. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, it, that was quite embarrassing to be able to turn this computer on and have nothing work, like nothing. And so Matt had Matt, Matt had a rough start. Our guests will be here soon, and Scott's got to leave. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Why do you got to go, Scott? Because you've been I here an hour have, already. Sorry. I I don't know how to tell you guys this in a like a polite way. So I'm just gonna say that I have other friends and I have plans with them. That seems like that's, a lie. It does. You're right. It's you it's absolutely not. Better. I don't have any other friends because of you guys. Yeah, <laughs> you literally could have said anything else. <laughs> but the, I guess Scott is going to miss out on mm-hmm. uh, a good conversation tonight because we are going to be talking with 
Um, Dylan Ayers, who's a, well, I think he's a park ranger. I think he's a little more than that, but he runs, he, <clears throat> he runs Eat Wild uh, out of BC, which does a, a bunch of um, core certification, hunting education, uh, cooking, gathering. Mm-hmm. It's like a, um, like a whole, like, eat what you kill, gather kind of community thing, which is really cool. And he was uh, yeah. um, nice or naive enough to come join us tonight. Yeah, <laughs> It's going to be awesome. He's a prolific elk hunter as well. So I'm excited to pick his brain about that. And I can't wait for uh, for you to listen to it later, Scott. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I can't wait to hear how much better it is when wait. I'm not around. Yeah. Um, yeah. But on that he- note... I is think he in the waiting gonna, room? Uh, what's that? Is he in the waiting room right now? No, but I'm going to now say that he is so we can just end the intro. Oh, okay, hold. he totally is. Wow, that worked out. So uh, okay. on that note, I'm going to say we'll say bye to Scott and we'll say hi Good to night, Dylan. Dylan. Goodbye. Say hi to Dylan. Hey. Goodbye. All right. Dylan, how are you doing? I'm just peachy. Just had a really nice dinner with my wife and one of our friends and we're planning our hunt for the weekend. So we're all fired up. We're going blacktail hunting on the sunshine coast. And, uh, our friend, uh, Jenny Lee, she's, she's been a very successful hunter. She's been at it for a while, but she's never killed a deer. And, uh, so we're hoping oh, really? she has her, she's, she, so I think her first animal was uh, a moose and then she soloed on a, on a goat hunt. And, uh, but still hasn't, she, she's just, ha- she hasn't connected on a deer. So, we're, we're, we're going deer hunting this weekend and uh, both so she started and I, at the top. Yeah, just yeah, like why not gonna... fill the freezer? Yeah. <laughs> and fill your neighbor's freezer at the same time. First totally. animal is a moose. That's pretty good. The, the best part about that story was so Jenny, uh, she's a new hunter, relatively new hunter, and, and uh, she, I met her through the Eat Well program, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, and uh, she got involved in one of the, in the conservation community, the backcountry hunters and anglers, and as one of their. Uh, she volunteered for them and did some good work for them, helping them get off the ground here in the lower mainland. And uh, she goes hunting with a bunch of dudes on this moose hunt, and they got a, they got a collective moose draw. And one of my buddies, and I, I you know, he he's got he's 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 spotted this moose, and he's going to be the shooter on this moose if it all comes together. And sure enough, they managed to call this moose in. He's got the drop on the moose, and he just freezes up completely. Can't get oh, can't get stable. Oh, no. So like. Jenny's like five foot nothing. She steps in front of him, like grabs her gun, shoots the moose, puts it down. Success. So, you know, pretty great. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. That's rough. Yeah. That's good for her. Ah, she's cool. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, we're all having a great, good weekend here. Um, I want to just kind of get some background out there on you for people who don't know. You're, so you're a, you're a park, you're more than a park ranger, aren't you? Are you, are you a district head uh i i say super park ranger if that if that works yeah, for you guys sorry. Like ultimate park ranger <laughs> I, whatever works no I, i'm a suffering park ranger meaning that i used to be a park ranger which is like when, when you get to go out and you, my first job they dropped me off in a helicopter in the carmana valley with and uh they put me on the riverbed in the middle of the river like carmana valley is like these it's like when you when you when you either drive in, walk in, whatever, or fly in a helicopter. It's like it's like going into a cathedral, like like where the trees are three hundred feet tall. These like massive, the biggest trees in Canada, and they just tower above you, and you're just like, wow, this is this is like 
this is who created this like when you it's the oh, same shit. same feeling when you go into a, one of those like you know uh cathedrals in, in in europe you're like wow this is like generations upon generations that built these things and you feel the same way when you go into the carmata valley and and, and the cathedral that it is uh, as a rainforest and anyway they dropped me so how old are those trees then uh 500 years they start to, to oh, like they get to middle age around 500 years and then they start to age out past that so like they start falling down at like seven or eight hundred years or something like that the incredible like incredible and like That's bananas geez, never to be and, and like it's 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 a really it's a really sad thing when you look across bc when you like there's just a handful of these like pockets of these like just spectacular forests that are, are remaining and 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 there's still people out there you know fighting to keep the last handful of trees out there and they're and you know they're getting arrested and thrown in jail by you know rcmp and whatnot but um but yeah, pretty, pretty. Anyways, the, to stay on the positive side, they dropped me <laughs> off and, and they hit the valley with the chainsaw and said, "Just you know, clear the trail and, and go to work and you know show you know you know show back up sometime in September and we'll lay you off and you can go back to university." Um, so that was pretty fun. Those are good old days. And then now I, I this is like twenty five plus years later. I'm now um, one of the sort of. They call it they call it section head. So I, I I oversee the operations for all park stuff in uh, in the lower mainland regions, the south coast of BC. So I don't know something like fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty parks. I don't know. Lots of people, lots of campgrounds, lots of wow, lots of trails, lots of lots of cool, lots of cool stuff. Lots of yeah. I think I have ten thousand visitors in the group of parks. I'm sorry, ten ten million. Sorry, ten million visitors a year in my parks and. Uh, I was like, only ten thousand men. I'll go to those parks. That's, that's a good like, day. That's a good great. Day. That's a good day in Cyprus. We're lucky. Anyway, so yeah. But um, all that said, it's been a good, it's been a good journey. It's like kind of a unique thing to sort of do the same thing from when you're nineteen to when you're forty six years old. That's wicked. And uh, but yeah, I love it. And uh, yeah, I have I've got a great group of people I work with, and you just get to know. I mean, the, the community of folks you get to work with is amazing because everybody's you know, recreation, recreation and parks first in their lives. And so it doesn't matter where you're, you know, we all have this common thing. And I don't know if you get that in most workplaces, you can talk about nature and you can talk about recreation and connect with people. And like, yeah, like I hunt and hang and with all the kind, all the people I work with, it's, it's pretty special. So yeah. That's incredible. Fortunate. Yeah. I always like think at least like once a month, maybe not more. And I'm like, man, if I didn't have the job I have now, I probably would want to do like parks or be like a conservation officer or something where you just like spend your days out in the woods. Chasing as a bears and, yeah, chasing bears and hunters. What, what do you guys do? I'm uh, a design engineer. I uh, make oil-filled equipment, so I'm the opposite of conservation. <laughs> but if it wasn't um, for you, I wouldn't be able to go hunting with my V8 truck and tow my boat around. Yeah. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful. That's true. What about you, Darren? I do uh, like digital product design and marketing. So not a real job. It's kind of you just dream shit up all the time. You know what? That's a yeah. great what... idea. Let's do it. That's why the muttering but pines, we're... like the, the the branding, is so slick. Is because you you've, you've been involved and it looks good. So. Yeah, well, I appreciate. I said, it. I, think, I, said, and... I said whispering pines off uh, off the top. That was actually one of my. So that's one of the wineries I'm very fond of, and uh, and so you know, I got, got got. We were just driving by there the other day, so it all merges. You know, good wine, good podcasts. You know, 
There you go. Um, we're we're really just three idiots that hang out in the woods and just they just that's kind of where this gist of it came from and it, it truly does fit. So we don't About six really... beers in. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of which, we usually because we've been out of this for a little bit, we usually uh, ask our guest, "Are you having a beverage with us this oh, evening?" Yes, definitely. We just had some lovely whispering horse uh wine from our favorite winery over dinner uh, my wife made a lovely salmon dinner with some spring salmon we caught out front of secret cove uh, where we are um where our home is on the, on the on the sunshine coast and then uh and i've transitioned to well i'd like to say like we, we got this great winery a uh, great brewery that supports eat wild called beer beer b-e-e-r-e beer um, i've seen that we, on your on your instagram yeah they they do a nice job. So I I'd love I prefer to be drinking a beer uh right now, beer beer, but I'm actually drinking a neutral um because, you know, being conscious of calories intake. So Cuz you're over 40. I had my two glasses of wine, so I'm done for the night. Yep. What can I drink that's zero calories or close to it? I like yeah. that. Yeah. Um well, that's great. Um and then we kind of like, yeah. So you did that, you shared that. Matt, what are you drinking? Well, I'm uh, I'm I'm on that motion of drinking beer, but it's missing the the last e. This is the cheapest best beer you can physically buy. It's President's Choice beer. There is nothing else beer. to it. And it's got alcohol it, in it. Even, yeah, it does. Yeah, it's a five percent normal beer. It tastes like PBR. I'm drinking the same thing. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we don't we don't get this, and and so this must be a. Where are it's you guys? Superstore. So Superstore President's Choice sells a no name. Literally, it's no name, and it's called beer. So you realize you're talking to somebody in BC that, like, it's, it sounds like a miracle. You go into a grocery store and buy beer. Like, how, how is that possible? No, mm. no, they have the no. You, you got to go into like the Superstore liquor store. So they still have a like we still have separate liquor stores, oh, but President's right. Choice or Superstore right. has their own liquor stores. Mm, yeah. So is everybody it is, it's like, like is everything like just like like no name vodka, no name rum, no name beer. Yeah. So they they, like have, they no... have all that as well as as brand name. They have all the brand name plus, <laughs> and then they they put this stuff on the shelf. I prefer the vision of going to a liquor store with like no all it is is no name booze. Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> so actually, our our friend owns a brewery. And he said that this stuff just won an Alberta Beer Award. No kidding. Okay, I'll get all of that stuff into BC here. See if I can find it. And, uh, yeah, next next time we head into BC, we'll just grab a few cases. Yeah, <laughs> 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 they probably only sell them in eight packs or like something convenient like that. They can't yeah. maybe eighteen packs. Yeah, thirty six. I think you can only get them at thirty bucks or thirty six. <laughs> Just suitcases. Yeah. Suitcases of beer. Um, okay, so, Dylan, uh, you started, so you're doing your park ranger now, super park ranger, master park ranger, emperor ranger. And uh, yeah, that's not you bad. started. That's a nice ring to it. Yeah. Like there that. you go. Yeah. Uh, and then you started Eat Wild, which, like, I have to say, like, I think you know coming from a guy in marketing like your branding is on point i think it's fucking awesome you've done a great job if you did it or whoever you had to do it incredible 
I think it's fantastic. Cool. Um, so quickly give us a rundown on E-Wild. Cool. Well, first off, I've got to give props to my friend uh, Tommy, and before that, an, an artist named Jordan Bent that pulled the colors for me, and then my friend Tommy, who's one of my hunting partners and good friends and happens to be a you know, highly skilled art director with EA Sports, and and uh, he, did, nice. he did the, yeah, so just as a side hustle, um, he helped me with my branding and helps me upgrade it once in a while. And every once in a while I, I show him something. He's like, don't do that. Do this instead. And then, <laughs> yeah. And there's another guy that's been helping me with a bunch of my podcast posters, um, on Vancouver Island. And, and, uh, she's doing some great work as well. So yeah, I've been very lucky to yeah have, have a team of folks that have helped out. The cool thing about hunting, like people are like so generous with their, um, yeah, yeah. They're so generous with like, you know, helping out because you're you know, doing something that, you know, you're feeding people really, and uh, people seem to like getting fed, and they've got time for you. So, um, well, I think anyway, that, you, yeah. So I think that's just one thing that people don't understand about hunting is it is like a community, right? Yeah, totally. Like it's a natural community that kind of like forms the minute you find out someone else is a hunter. There's just like, a, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you a hand, or yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll show you where I shot that deer. Like it's to a point, yeah. To a point, like it's very. Like, I was like, are you trying to, I, are you trying to suck me into something here, Darren? Like, I, I don't know, maybe I'm missing this whole thing about sharing spots, and I'm going to get sucked in here. <laughs> Send me your pins. <laughs> you got it. You got it. I actually know. So I, I, I do a bit of work with the Eye Hunter guys, and and I've known Mark. Uh, who who runs the show there for a number of years? I met him at a, uh, I know a show many years. Yeah, he's a good guy, and uh, yeah. yeah, he's Stenros, I think. And, and um, but I was thinking, like, man, that dude must have access to all Canadian hunters' data about all their secret spots. And like, I don't know if he has access, or if it's like some type of firewall between. But either way, like, I was like, the ultimate data breach would be like. <laughs> <laughs> or like even if you're like you have all the power in the world you could like be like oh, i gotta just like check in on people's spots and um but yeah the uh well that'd be it right yeah. you'd show up to your tree stand and he's sitting there and you're like dude just shrug his shoulders and you're like oh yeah fair <laughs> you decided hey man you know i'm reliant i you know it's like i know that google's like got all my you know all my information about everything i do so i'll be like yeah anyways that's side track you know, I, I, I literally I just sent, yeah i just sent mark a message last week um, cause I had a, um, an, an idea for like the iHunter watch app. And I was like, he needs a watch app that does this, 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 and this. So I just started like whipping stuff up and like texting him like, Mark, I'm sending you things. Check your email. <laughs> so you're not the only asshole that does that. Cause I do that all the time. <laughs> like this, this is a problem. This needs to be fixed. <laughs> so yeah. It'd be better if it was this way. He's like, yeah, that's, yeah. um probably about five years of development to do that uh i'm like oh okay well cool idea right <laughs> let me know it sounds it's simple when i said it out loud <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> anyways i'll get back to the point here i'm having fun but uh anyways yeah so i got started on eat wild like maybe 10 12 years ago the kind of the idea started um coming together with just you know you know i grew up as a hunter and 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 i had my family all hunted and it's always hunted and and but we we hunted but we also lived on the west side of vancouver which is like um you know relatively affluent part of the world well it is absolutely the affluent part of the world and fairly affluent part of vancouver 
we grew up on the other side of the tracks on on the more less affluent side of the tracks if you wanted to draw lines and stuff but that all said we we hunted and fished and and we only ate you know wild food as a family um but going the you know going up in high school and stuff like that like no nobody else hunted and so i always felt a bit of an outcast in terms of this part of my family that thing that we did and and also just i was got kind of really into it when i was about 12 13 14 i really got into deer hunting and started having some success and and it was all i thought about so all my buddies are thinking about rugby and soccer and basketball and girls and stuff and all i'm thinking about is deer and um probably but um but just that'll dose. so dose. just, dose. just, dose. just dose. Yeah. chasing does but all, all that <laughs> but all that said i i uh it was kind of a weird thing when i you know came back i went to university and then went to worked you know all over bc with parks and stuff and then kind of settled back into vancouver and i fell back in with this crowd of folks who were like uh, maybe early days of hipsters or you know just musicians and artists and such in vancouver and it was kind of developing this great community of folks and it was the first time ever people started to ask me about hunting. They're like, oh, you hunt? And, like, tell me more about it. And I'd be at some art show and he's fan. And I'd find myself with, like, you know, getting kind of cornered by two or three people asking about hunting. And they're like, I kind of want to do this thing. I've been growing vegetables, you know, on the deck in my condo and just wondering about, you know, procuring organic meat. And this conversation largely around where your meat came from just started happening, like, like 15, 12 years ago when people are more interested. And, and so... I found myself like mentoring and supporting more and more people in the hunting space. And that turned into me like kind of getting my core certification to teach the instructor course, which I had access to as a being part of the government and, um, and all, all that said, I, I kind of had access to getting through that program and getting designated and then started offering courses to my colleagues and friends uh, for free. And then that turned into offering the, the hunting course to, folks more broadly and then realizing pretty quick that folks are you know taking these you take the the gun course and then the core course the hunter certification course and you're kind mm -hmm. of left with like having absolutely no clue how to either shoot a gun let alone go out and sneak around in the forest and know what to look for to actually have success and, and hunt so i got kind of excited about the idea of developing mentorship programs to help people find their way beyond that and and develop the skills and confidence to be to be, you know, safe, ethical, and ultimately successful hunters. And that's sort of where Eat Wild started. That's awesome. That's great. Because that, like, that is truly a missing a missing point between when you're starting. You're like, yep, yeah, I'm going to, now that I'm legal, I can go do stuff. And you just drive off a road and you start walking. You're like, well, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And I remember the first couple of years, I was kind of hoping I didn't get anything. Because like, well, shit, if I get something, what do I do then? Where do I go? How do I drag it back? You're just willfully unprepared to do it yourself. So, yeah. Yeah, it's like, easier so, for people to start now because there is like iHunter, right? Like there's digital scouting tools. Um, but really, there's only one iHunter. You're welcome, Mark. Yeah, I'm going to charge you for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so, like, like, that helps limit you know you not going on to private land or hunting hopefully hunting where you're not supposed to but like matt said like not the majority of people don't have a mentor and to 100 percent contradict my point earlier about hunting being a welcome welcoming community 
not a lot of guys will take a new hunter to their favorite spot to go hunt him. Like, oh, come learn with me because, you know, it, it, it might be different in BC. In Alberta, there's like six acres of public land um near the city that you can hunt the rest is like you're knocking on doors and you're building up years and years of mm-hmm. of permission and and all that kind of stuff so i think maybe people here are a bit more tight-lipped about and, and weary about bringing someone out hunting because like it's just going to like increase pressure right mm-hmm. but um most of bc is just parks and crown land so it might be a bit different out there but I think having a program like you set up um, is like super beneficial to anybody and probably drops a ton of barriers for people that were just like, that's too much. I'm too overwhelmed. I don't want to start. And now they can kind of like go to you and be like, Oh, I can basically feel comfortable doing this. Yeah. I, I, I think that's kind of where we started was like, you know, what are the barriers? What are the perceived barriers well, and, and Matt, as you said, like you're almost like hesitant or reluctant to, you know, you were kind of like reluctant to actually I, find yourself in a situation to shoot something because what the heck's next, right? Well, you just, I, I got in my own head. You're like, well, what if this happens? Then what do I do? And then what do I do? And like, well, you just kind of backtrack. You're like, well, what am I doing out here if I'm not willing to do it? You still go, mm-hmm. but you just, like the back of my head, my my stupid brain is like, what are you doing, Matt? <laughs> totally. Well, you're kind of scared. I, I had I had this experience this weekend. I was blacktail hunting in some pretty steep country, and I, I I kept sneaking up on deer, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, shit, that's a big deer. Like That's probably a buck, and if, if it's a buck, I'm going to sh- have to shoot it, and then I'm going to have to deal with it, and I'm going to have to like get this awful pack out. I, I honestly don't know if I'm physically capable of doing so. I was like, oh, thank God it's a doe. Oh, thank God. Okay, good. Yeah, carry on. The, the truck is hunting. far too far away. <laughs> yeah, totally. That happens to us all the time. It, like, yes. It's getting cold. It's sundown. You're just, like at the bottom of the valley. You'll see a deer. You're just like, oh, shit. That better not be a nice deer because I don't want to gut it now. It's dark. It's I'm, I can't oh. hold that thing up here. Yeah. Oh, it's a big buck. Bang. Damn it. <laughs> Uh, what do you mean? Damn it! You missed is what that, what it would mean. <laughs> <laughs> bang, bang, bang! Oh, I let a bullet. It's okay, time to go. No. Yeah. Hey, you've been uh, hunting no. with us? <laughs> <laughs> I just heard. I just heard. I did some research on you guys. I checked you out. And I'm like, oh, uh, they missed you too. Okay, we're all we're all friends. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're terrible. Yeah, um, no. Can you give give us a quick rundown? Because I don't. I think it's a bit different. Blacktail, that's not muley. It's a muley. It's a coastal. It's a coastal mule deer. So we have, we okay. we manage in British Columbia. If you want to hunt mule deer or blacktail, you just go buy a basically a mule deer blacktail tag. It's the same tag, and depending on where you're like a mule deer, if it's on top of the coast mountains, like the Cascade Mountains or the extent of them, which is now we call it the coast mountains in 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 uh, in BC. If if a, if a mule deer was to like wander down to the ocean to say, you know, to the west, we'd call it a blacktail one took one step to the left. And if that same deer walked to the right and went down towards the interior, we'd call it a mule deer. And so they're not physiologically different. Well they they kind of are actually because as you get closer to the coast, you'll see they get smaller, they have slightly different features. 
okay. and if you read Val Geis, uh, do you guys know Val- Valerius Geis, the biologist? He di- he died last year. It's a bit of a loss to the wildlife management community. But uh, read his stuff. If you ever, if you're real, if you guys are hunters and you and you like learning about deer and you're interested, see if you can get your hands on the Valerius Geis set. Uh, he's got a book for mule deer. He's got a book for whitetail, uh, elk. He did his he did his first sort of doctorate and master's research on on stone sheep in in northern BC. Um, but he's a really good writer. And if you're just kind of a a wildlife geek and a hunter um you'll enjoy his books and he, and he works with a really great photographer as well so there's sort of yeah great great photographs and great storytelling around the oh, different awesome. species but, but you learn a ton about and, and and he's a hunter too so he, he writes with a bit of a perspective around both the biology and hunt huntability of the animal uh, but his mule deer one if you guys are in mule deer country um get, try to get your hands on his mule deer book or, or go to the library and borrow it and read it and um You'll get a kick out of it. Just you learned a lot. Um, I don't know why I just started talking about Valgeist, but oh, anyways, yeah, he. So he, yes. Yeah, so, so if you want to know the difference between mule deer and black-tailed deer and white-tailed deer, he takes you through that story of how mule deer came to be, and uh, and you know the uh, pre and post ice age and all that kind of stuff. So pretty pretty cool story. I'm interested. I'm definitely going to go look that up. Yeah, yeah. Is a stuff. a black tail that's that's different than a Sitka deer, or is that a different same oh, there's thing? Sitka or black tail as well in BC. So on, I think on the I think it's uh, on Haida Gwaii, it's the Sitka black tail, which are sort of a small, uh, t- tiny little black tail. And again, I think those may have been uh, introduced. I believe uh, I'd have to check. I, I, have, I haven't been there. It's a funny thing about like hunting, like you only learn about stuff until you're actually present and engaging with the animals. So I've yet to get to Haida Gwaii to experience the hunting opportunities there. So I don't really know the full scope of history with that okay. species. Um, it's kind of a, something I talk about a lot in my hunter education. Like you don't need to know about caribou until you're going hunting caribou, right? Yeah. So, so don't get too bent out of shape if you know what a five point caribou is, but you know, you need to know for the test, but be sure you got to know how to research, you know, about these animals and, and given the opportunity. Hence, those books by Val Geis is a great resource for that starting point of learning about animals is uh, learn about them, read about them. It's good stuff. That's awesome. And, okay, so you're doing blacktail now or this weekend coming up. Yeah, and then it's whitetail season. So where, where are you That's guys located? Where, 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 you guys, where do you guys hunt? We're in we're Calgary. In, okay. So we hunt in, uh, in southern and central Alberta. Okay. Um, so my, where I grew up was on the prairies. And so our hunting is very binary. We have muleys, we have whitetail and that's back. That was about it. And you, you, in essence, road hunt because you can see for miles and you Mm -hmm. drive from one spot to the other and you can spot and and such, but then, uh, there's not a lot of trees, a lot of, not a lot of cover. So, you know, basically they're going to be in the valleys or out in the morning, early in the field. And, uh, they're quite predictable. So, uh, Darren, your place is in central, is it northern or just central? It's central, central Alberta. Yeah. We're, and it's, yeah, we have a place a little bit north, uh, a couple hours north of us. And it's, yeah, it's all like forest. So it's, it's pretty heavy bush for a lot, most part. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's two definitely different ways of hunting. One is, one is very casual. One is while you're walking trails or, or sitting in one spot and uh, it turns out I'm unable to sit still. So that's, 
I just <laughs> wiggle and then I have to walk. You walk curse with that as well. So, yeah. so you can be you can be a good still hunter then here in BC. We do a lot of. I don't know if you can do it there. I don't know if you guys have the timber for it, but we spend a lot of time walking through timber here in BC where you can find it. If you can, if there's any trees left, um, <laughs> you can sneak through the timber where the deer like to live and yeah. uh, try and sneak up on them before they see you. And it's a lot of fun, but it's in the absence of being able to sit still. So the much, the much, much better way to kill a deer, particularly a white-tailed deer in BC is just to like find a, high concentration of sign and then just sit in a tree or sit in a ground blind and wait and wait and wait until that deer comes in and you shoot it. And over the course of three days, you guaranteed probably if you're in, if you pick a good spot, you'll probably have success. But like Matt, what, how long can you sit still? If you like, if you're, if you know, it's a good, if, like, let's say if Darren's like, this is the best hunting spot ever. It's like the best trail. Like you guarantee a deer's going to walk by. How long can you sit there? Oh, uh... Uh, give it a solid hour good. and it's like good. but i mean like that's that's an hour of that's it before i get up and walk it's probably 15 minutes before i fidget and just you know you're, you're, you're tweaking <laughs> or you're like oh i'm uncomfortable and you start stretching or whatever it is like i uh I, i've tried it and i just i, I can't sit still and I, I think that's probably my my I, I don't have any success doing it because i can't sit still enough and mm-hmm. uh, what we were told is like, don't underestimate the, uh, what did Jay say? It was don't underestimate your influence. How do you say it? There's something to do with like, you think you have no success doing it because you're in bad areas. It's in essence, it's you being the way you are. You're influencing your environment. Your inability to sit still. I think it yeah. was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, you might've talked to, I can't remember it. Jay Nickel. Like the mindful hunter, yeah, I know Jay. Oh, I, I don't really know him that well. I've, I've talked to him a few times. Yeah, yeah. So we were yeah. talking with him, and that's that was his thing. As Matt was telling me, just can't. He's like, I was sitting there, and, and Jay was like, "Were you though? Were you sitting still?" He's like, yeah. "No, probably not." I was looking probably around, and scratching. He's like, "Yeah, yeah." Oh, well, we cool. had uh, oh. Darren has uh, trail cameras at his place, and uh, to the point of what was it? It was October. 20th or something last year there was sign on the cameras every day they were just oh, coming yeah. and going coming and going and we go out there on october 20th and we just quietly walk in and all of the game cameras went completely dead from then that point on for like a month and a half they're just mm-hmm. silent it was like they either knew we were coming or i tweaked so much they just left probably just how you smell that's all. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. probably. But we we wrecked that area. <laughs> I don't. On, on, well, I I. So like I've got I I so I'm pretty religious about my. I can say I'm religious about my whitetail hunting, and I've hunted the same spot for. How old am I? Forty six. So, twelve. Uh, Ten. So thir- thirty six years I've hunted the same area and same spots generally, and I could say like. I know for sure that if I hunt a spot, I go through an area. If I go the first time I go through, it's always the best because I sneak through it. And if it's a spot that hasn't been hunted before, most of the spots I try to hunt don't get a lot of pressure. I'm going to get good looks at all the deer. But if I give it two or three days rest, it resets and I can go through it again 
and probably see those same deer. So what? It, so it, it's probably more a factor of where the deer are what they're doing in that time of year. Like they just happen to be a lot of deer around there in October. And then they just move on and do something else as soon as there's a heavy frost or as soon as one of those major environmental factors moves the deer to doing something else. And, yeah. and so I, I bet just more likely that, but, um, but definitely undisturbed deer, like undisturbed elk, undisturbed deer are way more fun to hunt because they're not as switched on for sure. And every time you walk through, yeah, for sure. They're going to be a little bit more. And, and you're a pretty big elk hunter. Is that safe yeah. to say? Safe to say. I, 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 I didn't grow up elk hunting. I grew up as a moose hunter and a whitetail hunter and a deer hunter, uh, a mule deer hunter. And I started elk hunting probably 20 years ago, or probably maybe a little longer than that now, 20-something 20 20 years ago. But I had I had learned, like, what I loved about it is I, I was a very, I, like, whitetailing was, like, I dedicated my learning years to hunting was, was learning how to whitetail. And what I took away from whitetail hunting is learning how to still hunt, learning how to be quiet in the woods and how to see animals in their habitat. And seeing animals in, in the woods is something that, like, is a learned skill. It's funny. I was just, I was, so I was just telling you about Jenny who hasn't killed her deer yet. And, and she said she can't kill a deer cause you can't see a deer. I said, well, I can, I, I can tell you my process for seeing deer. And I, I walked her through it, but it's an hour. It took me an hour to explain to her how I look for deer in the forest and how yeah. I see deer. And, and you practice that you, you, you replicate that process over and over again. And you'll eventually start to see deer in, in, in thicker cover. And it's a learned thing. It's something you learn, you have to practice it, right? And so between that and just being able to sneak through the forest and picking spots to stop and look and all those things and just being able to get close to animals is, is the, the, the sort of the still hunting techniques and something that, like I, I, I was taught that at a young age and just applied it over and over again. And now I'm super confident that like when I'm in the forest and if there's animals there and there's good, relatively good sneaking conditions, like... I can usually like see, find I like I can get close enough to an animal that I'll get a look at it before it blows out under mm-hmm. ideal better than you know average conditions or something. So that's cool. Like I love that. And then mule deer hunting was my next big passion, which is like typically alpine hunting. So in, in BC we get to climb up into the mountains and you know spot deer all over the place, and you get to chase after them. And it's kind of it's actually super unproductive, but it's super fun. So if you, it's, um, yeah, so I, I do that for years and, and got you know, good at find, getting up and alpine and finding animals and chasing them around. And then I grew up as a moose hunter and, you know, I learned how to call in moose at a young age and, and, you know, getting those, those verbal, those verbal interactions with, with animals. And what was so cool about elk hunting is that you do all of that in one hunt. And yeah. when, my hunting mentor, Jeff, who's a, one of my dad's buddies, um, took me elk hunting. Um, I, I've been suffering through lots of moose hunting. I don't, do you guys moose hunt? Not really. Guys, it's hard don't... to get a, for us, it's hard to get a moose tag. Yeah. It's sort of, it's sort of torturous. Like you could call it torturous because you, you basically have to like, you can't like kill a moose more than five meters from a road or river. Otherwise your hunting partners will give you shit forever <laughs> because you have to pack a moose. You don't, you can't do that. And then, like, you basically just have to, like, wait for a moose that's, like, down on its luck to, like, wander out in front of you on the road or on the river. And then you get to shoot it. 
So it's like that's it's my kind like, of animal. Like a sad <laughs> moose. <laughs> sad moose. All depressed. Just the sperm. I can't. The, the cows don't like me. Take me now. Up by the other bulls. <laughs> this life isn't worth living. I'd rather be moose in Yorkshire pudding. Maybe I'll just stand broadside and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, totally. But something like that, yeah. Anyways, but so I, I, my, my dad loved moose hunting, and I hunted with my dad for years. And but yeah, his his version of hunting moose was like, you, you kind of just put the time in, make yourself available, and over the course of ten days, we consistently kill a moose. Um, but it's like if you're kind of this, if you like having some influence on whether you have success or not, which you can do with your whitetail hunting, which you can do if you're mule deer hunting. Moose hunting is, is more difficult. And, and when I was taking elk hunting the first time, I was like, this is, this is amazing. Cause you get to like, if you're good, you can get good at this. You can get really good at this if you can figure it out. And I like that. I like that. Cause you can sneak up on them. You can glass them and, and you can spot and stalk them. You can call them in. Like, it's just, it's, it's the ultimate hunt and, yeah. and it's hard. It's so hard. It's so hard, and yet when it comes together, it's so rewarding because it's so damn hard, you know? So so kind of fell in love with elk cutting. So you started 20 years ago. So you've been doing it for 20 years. Are you, are you batting 100? Have you, have you got 20 elk? No, no, no. I had a really good run. Uh, the first 15 years, I think I killed an elk every year for the first 15 years. Holy and shit. then the last five years, I missed. I had a run. I, I have like a. I missed two six point bull elk in one season, which was devastating. <sighs> and uh, did and you still go out of, onto the road, head down, turn broadside, <laughs> and see what <laughs> happens? Yeah, totally, exactly. Take me now. Out of a take me now. How is this possible? Oh, they were just like they're. We we hunt a spot where there's not like real big elk either. Like they're they're like they're beautiful mature six point bull elk but they're not like we have, if in the kootenays where we hunt elk sometimes like there's tremendously big elk that roam around and, and you guys in the kootenays you guys get or in the other side of the kootenays or in calgary you guys get big elk sometimes and we're up north so it's like the, the elk just don't survive the winters all that well so both of these elk were like like clearly survivor elk that had made it through a few winters and just were just stomping big elk and not that that should matter anyways, but it's sure like it just rubs salt of the wound. Anyways, yeah. 0 for 2 uh, in one season. And then the next year, I missed another elk. And I'm feeling, and then, so that was two years in a row. And I'm sort of feeling like, I, I was like, oh, this could be a thing. Like, maybe I'm just like, I felt, I feel like, like I've, like I'm paying for that those misses, those poor decisions, those like, and so I've kind of like, yeah, I thought about a lot. I thought about that a lot. And, and then whatever that would have been the third year, we had a complete bust of a season where we didn't, it was, we didn't even see an elk or hear an elk for, a, for about five days of our pack raft hunt expedition. And I'm like, Oh man, this curse is really catching on. Like it's really, it's really taking its toll on me. Um, but uh, nonetheless, it, it, uh, I've had the last two years, it's sort of been wearing off because um, uh, my, my good friend Jay, who's uh, one of my 
one of my good friends and a kind of a hunting mentee. Uh, we had, well, he had killed just a tremendous bull elk on a trip. And that was our, that was our trip. We were doing a, a pack raft expedition. So we were at a one elk kind of trip and he got just a, just a stunning elk. So that was, so we're working nice. our way out of the curse. And then this year, well, shit, the curse is still on. Holy shit. Yeah. I've got, I, I'll, okay. You, this is the curse. I'll tell you a story and, and, and you tell me if I'm cursed or not. Okay. So, so we're, uh, we're we, so we've been kind of getting to this pack raft stuff in the last number of years. And, uh, I don't know if you know what pack rafts are, but they're like these rafts that like they, they compress down to maybe 10 pounds or 20 pounds, depending on the size of the raft. But we were with the 20 pound rafts, which are, you can literally backpack them into the mountains and then unroll them, pump them up and then, and then drift down a river, shoot a moose, put the moose in the boat and float out. Like they're really yeah. neat. And so we've been flying them in and doing some cool things with them. And so we had this trip scuttered out to just do a section of a river in elk country, which we kind of knew that folks couldn't really get onto all that easily. And uh, jet boats couldn't run it because the river was so low. So we kind of figured it out that we, okay, this is going to be good. We're going to have some section to ourselves. So, um, actually we use the eye hunter app for this because eye hunter has a new layer on it that shows road density in an area. And so if you're trying what? to do what we, yeah, it's a new, it's a new layer. It's like trails and roads. And so if you look at the map layers, you can switch on roads and trails and it'll show mm -hmm. you where all those like ATV roads are, um, that are basically accessing everywhere. So. I'm looking for the areas that have are, are void of roads where I can take my boat through and hopefully yep. get some unimpacted elk, right? Like undisturbed elk. So, so the three of us are heading down on this trip. I got my, um, my friend, Tommy, the graphic designer that did the wild logo yeah. and my, my sorry, good friend. And, sorry, this, this boat, are you paddling or you got a motor on it? No, it's just paddling. So it's like a, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, a kayak sort of shape, I guess you could call it with big pontoons okay. and you paddle it with a, with a kayak paddle and it's, you can go yeah. through like, like class four white water with these things. We do lots of class three with stuff in our boats. It's, it's Holy pretty shit. awesome. Yeah. They're neat. Um, anyway, so we're going to set it on this river and with my, my, my good friend, Jenny P who's been you know, kind of one of my main hunting partners and, and good bud. And, uh, anyways, we go down river and we get past where all the, uh, uh, ATVers can get and all the road access is now off and we're kind of into wilderness area and we've pulled over to our first spot and we're going to try and hunt the zone looks pretty good uh, I can't remember if we got up in the hill or not it doesn't really matter but I'm just down at the riverbank and I see some old dude like floating down the river and his little rubber raft and I'm like oh great cool so we, I wave him over we have a little bullshit and he's say, like, oh yeah there's three of us we're hunting here for now and we're going to make our way down he's like oh yeah this is a good spot yeah I like to hunt here but I'll carry on down river and I'll, um, I'll just give you a few kilometers before I pick a spot. And I say, right on, well, we'll do the same when we pass you. We'll give you a couple of kilometers of river and it's not to screw you up. Great. Anyways, we, we hunt out our spot. We hunt around. I think we have a full, a few interactions. It's promising. Um, tough country, super thick, not particularly like not my kind of huntable, but probably productive if you put your time in. So we pack up our ass, we go down river and we're floating down river and, um, we come around the bend and Jenny's in the lead and she starts waving at me, something's going on. And she pulls over to the bank and, and I go, I don't know, I see something's going on. So I, I pull over to the bank. I'm on the other side of the river from her and 
she doesn't have a gun available in her boat. She's got her gun packed inside of her boat, part of the, how we set up these pack rafts. But I have my firearm strapped to the outside of my boat, and Tommy in his boat behind me also has his firearm. And she's making, like, giving me, like, the hand signals, like, there's antlers or something going on, right? So I'm like, okay, there's elk. And I can sort of peer around the, the corner, and I can actually I can see there's a couple cow elk in the middle of the river. Like, wow, this is weird. Midday, unexpected elk in the river, but we're also experiencing a crazy drought and there's fires everywhere and God knows what elk are doing. Right. So well, there's elk in the river and I guess, you know, probably a good idea to get organized here. If it's, it's, it's the rut, there's going to be likely be a bull with them. And so get organized. So we get the firearms pulled off and we range these elk and they're 450 yards, which is very far for me. And, um, <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not excited about that idea. And, uh, but also, I'm like a 150 guy. <laughs> 150 is like, yeah, I think about that still. Too. Can I get closer? <laughs> mm. um, so we get, so we get, uh, so I, we start to, I figure, okay, well, I've got these rafts and, and we're in, we're in wetsuits basically, or dry suits actually, like we're waterproof. So I can walk down the river with the raft kind of pushing in front of me. So I got some cover, I definitely a little humid anyways. So I'm going to like walk down the river until these elk start to notice something's up. And, and Tommy's behind me with his boat and we kind of like sneak along the riverbank using our boats as cover. All the elk put their heads up. Okay. That's it. They've seen that something's going on. So we, I kind of land the boat on, pull it up on the sandbar a little bit. And I, I range the elk They're They're, they're 380 or something like still not my comfort zone, but like they're standing in the middle of the river and then there's the bull. He steps out of the bank on the other side. Okay. There's a bull here. He's going to cross the river. I got some time here, so I'm going to get laid laid over top of my boat, got my pack set up, I bed my rifle, and it's like 100% rested. And I'm feeling, I'm like, huh, not bad. And I'm like, looking at this bull crossing the river, I'm like, okay, yeah, that feels pretty good, actually. And I look at Tommy, and he's like, yeah, okay, I'll get set up as well. So we're thinking, he says, if you shoot first, I'll back you up. Yeah. This should work out. Okay, great. So he gets up on top of the, on the bank a little bit, so he's got a good look, and He's fussing around trying to get his rifle bedded. He gives me the thumbs up. Okay, he's ready to go. I go back over. I'm watching this elk cross the river, and I'm practicing my deep breaths. And it's a long shot for me, but I'm going to wait for this bull to kind of just take one step up on the on the riverbed. So I've got 100% clear chest shot, and he's going to hopefully die, you know, not in the middle of the river, obviously. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and anyways, he takes this one step up. Got okay. Now he's like ankle deep in the water. Fantastic. I got big breath in, big breath out. Pull the trigger. Nothing happens. The safety's on. Okay, great. That's cool. That's good. Go do that. That's that's, that's almost a that's almost a blessing with this this length of shot because like I'm like oh yeah, it's a little bit of a flinch there. Let's get rid of that. Let's do this all over again. Okay, so that is why I slide the safety off. Big breath. Big breath. Okay, big breath out. Boom. Elk takes three steps, falls over, and dies. And Jenny and Tom are like, holy shit, you smoked him. That's an amazing shot, man. I'm like, I didn't shoot. That wasn't me. And oh, like, what? Oh, that, that was, no, you're, you're messing with us. I'm like, no, that wasn't me. Uh, and, and so in my mind, I'm thinking like, some, some ATVer came down somewhere and got down to the bank and saw this elk in the middle of the river, shot it. And it just happened to be as I was pulling the trigger and like, what are the chances of that? So anyways, we, we, we jump back at our boat. So we 
go around the corner, and sure enough, we see old timer Dave, who's in the rubber raft. Yeah, and we see his tent right on the corner, right with the, like like fifty meters from where the elk were standing. And I guess Dave got up from his nap and saw us coming around the corner, and then saw us like kind of scrambling around, wondering what was going on, and then looked over and could see that there's a herd of elk in the river in front of his camp. So he so you know he did the logical thing, which is to shoot the bull, which is you know. Was a hundred yards from his camp, so you never, you didn't get to pull the trigger. Well, I pulled the trigger. The safety was on. Well, I mean the the second time. No, you know you were painting such a great picture. I had a full like motion picture going in my head. That was yeah. that was amazing. That is not the answer I thought was going to happen. Wow! So, so, Thanks. So that, go that back that to, your... to it. <laughs> So I think we're going to go with the cursed thing is uh, it's, it's Halloween. So yeah, uh, let's go with that for a while. Live and well. <laughs> okay. So, so, but this actually has got, the story's got an end and it's actually even better than, you know, that elk dying. So let's go for it. Um, so we end up, <laughs> so we wave down. So Dave's actually running down the bank looking for his elk. We, we saw it die because where we were, we had perfect view of it. And I get, and so we go up, we're, we're right next to his, his elk. And we see Dave run down the bank. Hey, Dave, come over. We got your elk here. And he comes over and he sees this elk and he's like, fantastic. And then he's a little bit sheepish about this whole thing because I think he kind of knew that like we were kind of setting up to shoot it. And then he did. He shot it. So he wasn't sure, but you know how that would all work out. And um, it, and it, he's he's a pretty religious guy too. So I think he's was quite like quite perplexed by this whole thing. Like some of us probably wouldn't be so complex. It's like, dude, elk in front of my camp, I'm going to shoot it. Like, yeah. anyway, so, so, so he ends up sort of, so we, we give him a hand cause he's an older guy. So we end up cutting up his elk and throwing it in his boat for him and we carry on. But he's like, you know, I, I feel like I killed your elk. So let, let me give you a couple spots to go look for elk on this river. And, and we were hunting this blind. So we're like, we'll take all the tips we can get. He gives us a couple spots. Anyways, Fast forward two days, and we're hanging out, hunting this other spot, and my Jenny and I are we're, we're kind of basically in the spot he sent us, and uh, we started our day to, out out our day together, and um, and we're calling, and nothing's happening, and we're like, well, these elk aren't super active, and if they do come in, they're gonna come in quiet, so probably we're not gonna be like getting into big beagle fest where the two of us together is gonna make any difference, so let's let's just split up and you know, just hope for the best. And so I peel off and Jenny peels off the other way. And, um, I don't know, an hour later or something, I hear the whap. And I hear the whap. And then the whap. I'm like, holy shit, Jenny just, <laughs> Jenny got her elk and she made sure of it. Cause those sounded like three solid hits. Yeah. And, uh, sure enough, uh, I get a, I get a message from, from Jenny on the radio there that she'd called an elk in and she got a, she got a couple looks at it and she, she shot it and she was just uh, going to hang out. And I said, okay, I'll come hang. I'll, 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 I'll rush over to you and see if I can, we'll go in there and have a look together. And, and uh, when I got up to her, it was, there's a, I have a great, on my Instagram, if you go back a, a month or so, you'll see a great little video of Jenny, like walking up to Jenny and she's, she's, I just, her legs are still shaking from, from the shot. Right. Like, nice. and, 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 uh, to be there with her and, and uh, <clears throat> kind of go through the scenario. And, and yeah, I, I mean, I knew she killed it. Cause I, I just heard that like 
you hit it all yeah. two times like that. Like I'm just pretty sure it was dead. But, she, but you know, she she'd worked real hard for this to happen, and you know, she still had that doubt in her head. But I, you know, and and you know, and as we should all have that doubt in her head and give it the time it deserves to allow the animal to to die, and then do all that right process to go make sure you recover it and that you're ready for another shot should it get up. But but anyways, we it was great to to be there with her as she went through that process and ultimately walked up on the elk and. There's this beautiful five point bull elk and is her first elk. So that's so, awesome. Yeah. So like, yeah. So like, yeah, I'll take the curse for another year. If, if, um, yeah, Jenny yeah. gets her bull and oh, way, for sure. way, way better scenario than having a, you know, me shooting some elk in the ass in the middle of the river and then Tommy opening up and then like a big rodeo in the river. And then we got a dead elk with six holes in it. And like, <laughs> which is like way more of the scenario of like, she's a backstrap left. <laughs> yeah, totally. So I'll take that any day. Um, so yeah, the curse, the curse continues, but there's been some highlights along the way of the curse. So no, I'm certainly oh, not totally. complaining, but so it's hard. How long man. is your, oh, how long are your pack traps or pack trips for pack raft trips? Uh, I didn't realize done... when you said a couple days, like they're a week or something. Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. We, we go for, we do a lot of trips <clears> where we fly in. So we'll fly into the like Northern Rockies and then drift out one of those, you know, one of the big rivers that you can you know, anywhere you can get on and kind of drift out. Um, but yeah, like twelve days, you know, twelve twelve days will be, oh, yeah. be a long trip and um, amazing. Yeah, they're they're neat. Uh, Ten, twelve, fourteen days, and you can only you got to kind of work out like the math on meat care and stuff because we're pretty dedicated to coming home with something. So we've done a, you know, we we had a really we had a successful sheep trip couple years ago but you know once you got a couple sheep you know you got, and it's middle of you know august you got to go right you got to get out real quick and whereas some other trips like if you can kind of time it you can kind of have a nice trip and then shoot something sort of towards the end and then you got to go but um yeah but yeah so pretty if you shot something trips. at the beginning you you just hightail it just get on the river and just paddle for the next week yeah. or something or yeah yeah so yeah to me so i mean you can get about 25 25 to 50 kilometers a day on a river depending like if you give or give her like you can do 50k on a river and 25k is like a nice like five hour paddle in a day so if you know if you do a 10 12 hour day you can cover 50k and a lot of the trips we've done a bunch of like 150 kilometer trips so you could do it in three days if you had to but you'd be you'd be done like your your arms would be yeah busted but but fun yeah that's cool yeah so in your time curse notwithstanding what would you say is like the one sort of secret to to elk hunting that maybe people getting into it or even people who've been doing it i'm not saying us it's us Us. uh, (laughs) might not know oh i don't know uh well, you know what? The, the the correct answer is you guys should sign up for my Eat Wild online course on elk hunting uh, that I did with my, yep. my friend. There you go. Well, I, I don't know if you've ever come across Mike Bridger's stuff. He's a, a biologist here in, in British Columbia, works for the, works for the, works for the government, uh, the Fish and Wildlife Branch. And uh, he's, just a, he's just a crazy, crazy elk hunter, super good elk hunter, but also, you know, studies them in his professional life and um was all and, and he just loves hunting and loves talking about it. so he he was open he was really kind to to jump online with me and build this course and 
and so we so we kind of went through it like if you wanted to hunt elk like where do you start what, what kind of habitat are you looking for um you know i talk about things like i spend a lot of time thinking about like uh presence of elk well number one is, is elk habitat you got to find good elk habitat that elk will use at <clears> some <throat> point during the year you got to find presence of elk so that's finding like sign so that was what i mentioned you guys are off the hop i got a buddy that's you know got an elk tag on the sunshine coast and you know that's it's all good habitat it's just where's the sign where's the concentration of elk right the the third thing you want to think about is the huntability of an area like you got your systems matt you're a you're you're a dedicated truck hunter in the flat country you've you've honed your skills that's your type of hunting and that you've got the tools and the skills to uh no to, to hunt successfully doing that but i I'd actually mean that so seriously because like there's a like the huntability in that spot in that area is there's a way of hunting that's successful uh in that ecosystem with the presence of animals that are available there similarly like you know for for us here on the coast say like you're looking for that presence of animals and then you got to figure out how the heck are you going to be able to hunt them which might mean you know sitting on a cut line or something like that which isn't very much fun or finding a patch of timber or habitat that you can call them into or sneak through um, and still hunt them so any of those options might might be a starting point but that's that's what the the course goes into initially is just kind of figure out where to go hunting when to go hunting and then kind of figure out how you're going to hunt it and then of course we go into how to call elk and different you know strategies for hunting elk and um, kind of talk a lot about elk behavior and what they're doing and why they're doing it um, but that's the long answer which you can get in the four-hour online course with Eat Wild, which you can sign up for at eatwild.ca. Um, but to answer your question, like a simple you question. sign up for it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I think the one thing we all underestimate as hunters is time, like putting in the time to figure stuff out. Because even as a fairly experienced hunter, like I'm always learning something. And every hunt, I leave with more questions than I have answers because I'm like, oh, if I just got up to that one spot, see how that, if that was a spot yeah. that holds elk, or is that a spot that has a funnel that, like, why why are elk using that spot? Like, how come there's always elk there? Uh, like, I've always got questions that I, I want to answer, and it takes time to answer those questions and put your, to cover the ground, to put yourself in those places, to assess those things. Like, is it huntable? Is it is there a presence of elk? Is there, like, those questions? And you need time to do that, and then you need to document that somehow and again let's go back to our good friends at the eye hunter i use my eye hunter as a as a diary to collect the information um as i go and we call them pins but like each one of my pins has a photograph and it has a thought as to why i pinned that spot why i marked it is it right. this is a, a good spot to sit and look at this trail or this piece of habitat or or i saw an elk here doing this and I think he was going that way. And and so I'm constantly collecting data as I go, as I put time in. And then I'm documenting that data in the iHunter app so that the next time I go back, I'm like, I look at my phone and I'm like, oh, I was here. And this is what I was thinking at the time. So I'm picking up that learning from that, that spot. And now I can build on that learning as I go yeah, forward yeah. in that spot. So, um I think that's the biggest thing. Like, it's just, you know, hunt, hunting's all about replicating something that works. 
Totally. And, and when you when you stumble on something that rep, when you replicate it, it works. Like I've killed four elk with within hundred yards of each other in two different spots, just replicating really? the same thing. You know? Yeah. Like, and like, yeah. So I can think of at least. I mean, in white-tailed deer, I think I've called I've killed fourteen deer within a hundred meters of each other, and not and not because I stand there and like. I don't sit in one spot and hunt that spot. Like I, I just, I hunt. You stand there with two the guns. Wind, I sneak into the same spot, <laughs> the different ways. And inevitably I end up killing the deer within. I'm like, Oh yeah, this is the spot again. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all about replicating. Right. Fair enough. <clears throat> there was a, there's a hunter, Randy Newberg. I heard him on a podcast talking about his solution to hunting elk, which was uh, similar to what you had mentioned about, uh, uh, earlier in that podcast about the 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 was it the 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 road density layer on iHunter? He said for him his his number one thing when he's finding the spot or a spot that he doesn't know if he's never scouted an area, he looks for exactly what you said where uh no no roads within a mile. No access, mm-hmm. no nothing. And he's like if that's a, a, a creek or uh something you're going down or a small water basin at the top of a mountain that's far away from everything for him. That's where he said he'll for sure guarantee that's where he's heading because all the pressures put them there and nobody's willing to put in the, the effort to get there. Mm-hmm. So that, that road density lot or layer that's on there apparently now that's, that should be an interesting look to, to be able to help judge those areas. Totally. Totally. That's interesting. Yeah. I, Randy Newberg is one of the handful of guys that I, I really enjoy watching hunt because I like his process. Um, he's a good hunter. Yeah. I, uh, I enjoy the fact that it's not a TV show anymore. He's gotten away from that. It's like he has successes, he has pure failures and misses and everything in between. So <laughs> yeah. it's for, way, for way entertainment like just there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like way more like hunting than I'm familiar with. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, so um, this is fun. I want to quickly touch on the eat part of Eat Wild. Um, like I know you've got recipes, and you know you're talking like you're cooking up salmon that you just caught, and you grew up eating wild game. Um, is that still that's still your thing? Like you just you eat what you catch. Like you're not hitting the supermarket for for most of your proteins and vegetables and stuff. No, we're living the life here, feeling very blessed to be able to go and, um, yeah, we 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 just, I, I'm from I mean I'm from Vancouver originally, and we've so since moved up to the Sunshine Coast, which is kind of a coastal village just north of of, of Vancouver, and uh, I moved up there, I don't know, 15 years ago, for a parks gig and bought a house up there, and during the during the pandemic, Mickey and I actually moved back up there because of the whole work from home thing and this sounded like a pretty good idea at the time and still a pretty good idea. Um, and so, yeah, we, like we have a boat in the water, not, you know, just in front of the house there and we can go out and catch prawns within view of the house and, and, uh, oysters and we dive, we do free diving for uni and other great sea critters. And like, so we just very, very fortunate to take advantage of this incredible place that we, that we live. And so, yeah, the seafood is amazing. And then of course our, our passion and drive both. So I married Mickey last year yeah like the year yeah we've been married for a year and a bit now um congrats 
Yes, yeah, fun stuff, man. I don't know. I did done this a long time ago. It's really, it's really awesome. But Mickey's a keener. She's a keen hunter. So like, so now we're like, I'm kind of used to being a fairly like, I was a bachelor for a long time and, and enjoyed. Well, the you know I've always been, um, had a lot of lots of yeah. I've always been an active hunter in my life. And wait a sec, I'm talking about hunting, not being a bachelor. Um, but uh-huh. uh, uh, I getting sidetracked here, but. I've always had a full freezer full of meat and been able to share that with people and community. And I've loved yeah. that. And, and being it, to feel that like wealth of, um, I've hosted this thing called, uh, uh, Santa take a shot. It's my Christmas party every year. And over the years it can, it can, it can go from 20 people from dinner to 40 people for dinner for a Christmas party. And, and I've never once thought I was like, it's like, 40 people, great. Yeah, bring your friends, no problem. Right? I just reach in the freezer, grab another roast, throw it in the oven. It literally cost me, like, I think I can cook dinner for $2 a person if I go to the grocery store and buy, like, you know, root vegetables and veggies and, you know, maybe some butter and a pound of bacon to, you know, throw in with a few things and and make an amazing, like, wow. you know, break out some wild mushrooms and some prawns and some halibut for starters and then go do a bunch of roasts with, you know, mushroom sauces and stuff and to be able to throw down a dinner for 40 people for literally like under a hundred bucks and like throw like yeah. a pretty amazing party. It's like, like that's a pretty foreign thing to be able to do, especially in these days. And it, it's something I've always been able to do, whether it's, you know, making, making dinner for friends on a weekly basis or hosting larger dinner parties. And um, it's kind of been my jam, you know, and, and, and living the sort of in Vancouver part of the, you know, a lot of my friends are musicians and, artists and work for nonprofit organizations and they're all, you know, doing cool things in life, but they're not making money. So they they don't get to eat organic (laughs) meat. So like to be able to contribute to this awesome community that gives so much to me and to be able to like, you know, feed folks and and feed them well and, uh, and be that person that shows up to a potluck or a dinner party with something special or have people over and, and never once think like, Oh, I can't, you can't bring someone because I, can't afford to feed them like that's a that's incredible it's a cool thing so anyways then so anyway so yeah it's been it's been a fun ride and and you know we've been really passionate about sharing you know wild food with people because i don't think people get a chance to have amazing wild food and especially like like well well prepared you know wild food that's like really brings out the best and what it is that that we have and and through that you know i've met a bunch of great chefs along the way and geeked out about cooking wild food together and I've learned a ton and um anyways coming back to Mickey like it's been so fun because Mickey and I love to cook together and uh the only downside of marrying a hunter is that she's a successful hunter now so I like <laughs> so like we're, we're we're not it's deer starting like deer, deer season starts like literally the peak of the deer season for us is the next month and uh we're we we're not allowed to hunt anymore we're done like we've got yeah we're 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 like freezers are full and we're yeah giving away deer to our elders and uh yeah so i don't know gotta read yeah to take turns shooting deer i guess i don't know it's, it's got to get fat and then exercise and then just eat more yeah that's, that's what it turns out to be <laughs> Starting. Uh, yeah, exactly yeah no but I, I love it i love sharing so I've, I, I've shared a lot of like you know recipes and stuff online and we've done some cooking stuff and partner we do we do like a month well we do a Every we do a few cooking workshops every year in in town as yeah. community events and 
usually bring in a one of our chef friends to lead a cooking workshop and um, that's a fun one and uh that's awesome yeah, we're always doing something we we got a, a video that i should really roll out here about how to cook the perfect steak with my friend jody peck and i uh, should probably find the time to get it out there and but yeah lot, lot, lots of fun stuff yeah it's the best part i'm definitely into watching a video on cooking the perfect steak oh the reverse here man it's the way to do it that's what i hear Oh my God. Okay. I'll, I'll share this with you. Maybe I'll get it out for when you guys roll this out to your vast listening audience and they'll all be looking for my video and, and then there you go. So it'll be worthwhile. I love it. I, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was looking at some of the, um, some of the dishes on, on Jody Peck's website and like, she looks like a phenomenal cook, like a, like Amazing. a, like a top yeah. chef. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That's very fortunate to have someone like that and, in your corner so oh yeah she she's amazing she just uh she just sent me a picture she got her moose last night so uh oh. two two day opening she got a perfect she got her perfect moose so when she goes hunting moose she'll set she'll see like a 10 point monster bull moose standing next to a two point moose and mm. both are legal she'll shoot the little one every time because women so. and children taste better <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to animals this is no this is a this is a hunting podcast yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Totally. um that's crazy um yeah right so r- normally right near the end we like to, to throw down a little bit of a, a a thing we call guest to know you um and it's just a little bit uh a couple questions a little bit of trivia Are you into it sure let's do it all right. First question. What kind of cocktail or beverage would you be and why? Dark and stormy? No, I think I'm old fashioned. I'm kind of I'm kind of an old yeah. fashioned. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, I, I I like old fashioned cuz I mean I I love I love bourbon. And I I I do love that they're served in like quite classy glasses even though they're kind of a rough drink. And yeah. and there's a little twist of like, you know, of citrus of 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 uh orange in there that gives us some brightness so like i do have i'm capable of being bright but i can be a little bit dark too so yeah that'd be me i like it an old-fashioned is the one drink that i have on more than one occasion had we'll call it a bad experience with but i still <laughs> go back to it it's not like never drinking that again i'm like the next day I'm like probably just have another old-fashioned yeah. <laughs> yeah i agree yeah awesome Okay. Uh, name one brand that you think is just killing it in the outdoor space. Oh, that's shoot. obviously not Eat Wild. That's yeah. I'm thinking. I'm thinking this. Yeah, I'm not super a brand oriented person. I, of course, we the Eat Wild podcast is sponsored by the the good folks at um, Seek Outside that do ultralight tents and ultralight backpacks and. Um, they do a couple things though that I just like. I honestly like every time I'm in one of their tents and the storm is going on a hunt. I'm just like, man, this is a game changer. This is awesome, and uh, they do a good job of it. And 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 nobody else is doing as good a job of, of making tents with wood stoves in it, um, which I think is yeah pretty pretty awesome. So for me, they're I'll doing a great that. job. Um, I'm trying to think of something that's a bit more genuine though. Um, I mean, I, I've been a big supporter of Sitka Gear since day one. They were the first folks to really build 
technical gear for 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 people like for for folks who want to mountain hunt and be in the elements for long periods of time and i remember the days when i was like you know piecing together like you know arcteryx was early into the market for quality outdoor gear and i was i knew some of the design there was a small company back in the day in vancouver and i worked with them for for my bc park stuff and i would be like can you make me camouflage eat what can you make me camouflage arcteryx stuff please because i or just like make it in colors that i can hunt in and make it quieter, yeah. please. And uh, I, I was, you know, and then a few years later, Seika showed up on the scene and kind of made stuff that worked for me, which was great. And um, so I, I've appreciated what they've done all the way along. And, and for the most part, they've, they've developed, a, you know, a youth line and a women's line and made it as inclusive as you can for a big company. So, um, and they, yeah, and generally they stay out of the muck with like a lot of the outdoor folks, you know, they... Some of the storytelling they do is a bit off-putting in some ways. If you look at Kuyu's stuff or some of the folks are just kind of, yeah, like it's not, not really comfortable with how they portray hunting and hunters. Um, mm-hmm. I think that if, if I was to get kind of excited about one brand, Sika does kind of the best job with their storytelling as well. So, so there you go. Fair enough. All That's right. Good. Awesome. Uh, okay, next. Use the term hunker in a sentence. Oh man, I, I, I hunker down all the time when I hunt. If I just gonna, I was gonna say this to you, Matt. This is this is going back to like, at some point, I'm gonna find my spot. I'm gonna hunker down for a bit. And when I say hunker down, I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my very best to sit tight for a period of time and wait for that deer to come wandering in or the elk to come in on my call or whatever. So, and I've really worked on this. I, I share this with you. I, I don't sit tight very well. And I'm very aware that I, you know, if the more you move around, the less effective you can be. So for years, I used to read a book when I hunkered down in the woods. And I would like, the only thing is for reading your book, you'd lose your eyes to see what's happening out there, right? So are you better off reading a book really quietly? And then more recently, I've kind of switched over audiobooks. Can I sit there, listen to an audiobook? I lose my ears, but I gain my eyes to see. So what are mm-hmm. you better off? Are you better off seeing everything that's going on or hearing? If, you, if, if, if it's what it absolutely costs to sit tight for a period of time, like say that this, because otherwise it's, if I don't have the distraction of the audio book or the, or the reading the book, I'm going to be like Matt and struggle and get up and walk away. So what do you guys think? Eyes or ears? So if... I would use my ears more in a denser brush because if you can't see, if, if I feel like I can't see, I can hear better. Mm-hmm. But in a open terrain or where it's uh, more noisy outside, if you get a wind or you know leaves rustling or something like that, maybe maybe it's it's one or the other depending see, on the situation. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the eyes because if you're head down reading your book and you hear that like snap you're gonna lift your head and look and that Ooh. might be the one thing where the deer's like the fuck's that and just like back off totally okay well whereas if you can see it you can just like lock and be like there it is a, a lot of the animals i've have got to see if i'm if i'm being honest or is it something i hear first so for me mm. I, I would go i'll give up my i'll give up my eyes and i'll keep my ears hmm Okay. So, so I've done the analysis on this. I've done, I've done lots of survey work and I've like collected the data 
and I've written it up in a couple of uh, uh, reports now, and they're being currently being um, uh, what do you call that when you when you have other um, academics proofread your work or, or um, like reviewed? Yeah, reviewed. Yeah, you're having it peer reviewed right now. That's the word I was looking for. Um, that uh, that so if you hear a deer, it's often too late. They've if, okay. if they're if, if they're actually if you make enough noise, you hear them. It's probably unless it's like there's some conditions that are that are like so noisy that you'll hear them, but they are so incredibly quiet that if they're just doing normal deer things, they probably don't make a lot of noise or any no, notable noise. So you really like if you hear them, that's usually them getting up when you've when you've walked in on them. They, they there's a very pronounced sound you hear like it's the thump thump, which is when they stand up from their bed and then they look and they'll, they'll give you some time to see them, but they're they're already on alert. And of course, if you hear them running. Or walking, that usually means that they're walking away from you um, more noisily. Um, but typically, when I see deer come in, I never hear them, with or without the audio book on. And I a little different for elk. Like you can hear elk coming in because they're less elk are different. They're more comfortable making noise because they're surrounded by other elk all the time. So noise is kind of not a factor for them. They're kind of comfortable hearing noise they don't get they don't get spooked by it and they're less inclined to be silent they're bigger but they're also have learned to um be elk without uh um having to worry about how much noise they make but deer are for sure they're quiet beings they're very quiet they don't call very much they don't make a lot of noise and they certainly don't make a lot of noise and they walk even in the thickest craziest stuff so if I had to, if I had to, if I had to go with one or the other, and and um, and what we found in the extensive study that we did, and uh, did up our report on, um, which I'm kidding about the peer review of the report, um, the uh, my my analysis is that if you just sit tight and watch, and do your best to watch, uh, that it's more important that you see the animal, and see the motion, and then hopefully um, get organized to shoot. Probably better yet, just be good at hearing and seeing and not distract yourself and practice that meditative state of sitting tight and hunkering down. Yeah, man. Yeah. Idiot. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to pick on you, Matt. I have the no, same no, problem. I, I can't do it. I just, I can't. No, I, I never, I, uh, I'm not a, a good reader for paper book. I really do enjoy audiobooks. And mm -hmm. I've, I've never considered putting headphones in and just, just chilling out to a book but sitting down because that's if i get comfortable enough then yeah I, I can sit for a long time listen to a book if it's in, involving yeah and uh yep. yeah maybe i'll give it a try yeah I would. obviously I you're the time. expert so uh i'll i'll, <laughs> no. I'll just copy well, I'll, you, uh, you could peer review the article that i wrote and uh and yeah and provide <laughs> comments and uh yeah you could co-author it as far as i'm concerned <laughs> there you go matt's big break oh yeah right <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um this one this next one is uh it's it's i want to see how you use it because it's kind of like i don't even think it's a real word i think we made it up but whatever uh what does chuchin mean and then use it in a sentence oh man that's darn shooting that question i don't know that's a hell of a good question chuchin 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 I kind of feel like if I was like, you know, having a good day, I, I, you know, it's like we got up there, we saw 
bucks on the hill. We got two bucks down, and we, like, got the whole crew up there, and we started packing it down the hill. Man, we were just shooting it all the way down the hill, man. It was just bullshit and having a great story, singing songs, shooting all the way. Yeah, I'll go with that. Yep. It's like you're just having a good, like, it's, everything's going well, and you're cruising along, cruising, chooching. I don't know. Seems like a yeah. happy state of being, chooching along. Yep. To really give her. Yeah, yeah. Giver. Yeah, right up there with Giver. We were just going to give her. You were just shooting, man. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, awesome. Okay. The next part's rapid fire. So I'm going to give you two things, and you got to pick one. Just the first thing that comes to mind. It's an either or. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to steal these ideas for my podcast, by the way. I like these. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, elk or moose? Uh, well, elk to eat. Sorry. Elk to hunt, moose to eat. Oh, fuck. You answered both. Good for Sorry. you. You did it. You beat the system on the first one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's the show. See you later. <laughs> oh, okay. Can, can I ask on that? I prefer the taste of elk over moose, and you'd, you'd vice versa? Uh, I I grew up on moose. I mean, my, you know, my, my grandfather, he, he, you know, he's, my grandfather grew up hunting. He's Métis from Manitoba. He grew up on moose, and he moose hunted out west when he came out west and i grew up on moose and my dad was a moose hunter and i'm a moose hunter you know so you gotta you just you know it's home man it's moose oh and, yeah okay that's fair yeah cool all right 22 or scatter gun oh i 22 guy for sure you okay. do so much more with the 22 right because you can practice become a better shooter yeah. and you can shoot grouse and beer cans Fair. That's a great yeah, answer. Uh, rifle or bow? Oh, I'm. I I pretend to be a bow. Like I'm trying to be a bow hunter, but I really suck at it, and I'm not dedicating the time at it. But I've I'm a rifle yeah, hunter because I like <laughs> killing things and filling my freezer. But I'm also at a place where I no longer have to. Because we, you know, I feel like I'm at a place now. I should really take up bow hunting because I would like to decrease the amount of harvest and like to hunt more and harvest less yes which bow hunting yeah. allows for there you go uh mountains or foothills and prairies now that's a good question oh god like, like this is drawing deep emotions here with me as i think through this if i could only have one i absolutely love so i so we we don't have the foothills well we have foothills like it, like we have these like rolling grassland hills. I gotta call like we call it the grasslands here in BC on the Fraser River corridor, Kamloops, the Okanagan. These beautiful mm-hmm. grassland ecosystems that we can hunt mule deer in, which I just I just love. And I think if I had to pick one ecosystem that I'm just like most in love with, it's the it's the grassland ecosystem. But that's a tough call. That's like almost a mean question, really. All right. Uh, fall or spring. Well, I mean, fall for sure, but the spring, if you, if you, you guys talked about mental health, right? The last episode, and I'm sure you talked about mm-hmm. the seasons and how much they affect us. And like, I'm so thankful when the spring arrives, I, 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 I suffer from seasonal, um, whatever depression and the winter is hard and there's a point, there's some day there sometime in April when all of a sudden the whole world turns on. It's it just, it just like everything gets better. And, and it's, yep. you know, the sun sure. comes out, yep. the days get longer, 
but it's just my mental health. It just goes from fighting it every day to just being like, I just want to live every day and use every moment to like do amazing things. And that comes in the spring and I just feel so rejuvenated. And I think we all feel that in different ways, but the spring is such a wonderful gift. Um, but man, falls. I just got a mental image of you pulling a Julie Andrews, uh, on the hills top. The hills are alive with the sound. (laughs) (laughs) I I want to live. Awesome. Uh, sausage or jerky sausage. Uh, it's easy. I mean, ruin, ruin all that good gaming and turn it into dried out jerky. Oh my God. Kelowna or Squamish? (laughs) Kelowna. Alberta or Saskatchewan? Oh, hmm. I guess I think I like people more in Saskatchewan and probably want to be closer to the foothills in Calgary. So is there a spot in in Alberta that's got lots of good people from Saskatchewan living there? I think it's Calgary. (laughs) I think Calgary's a pretty good Saskatchewan spot. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Duck or goose? Oh, man. That's a tough one. I, if you, if I was to say to a new hunter, what they, what, how should they, when they want to fill their freezer, I say go go learn how to be a goose hunter, because there's lots of geese and they're relatively easy to kill and they'll fill your freezer in a hurry. So go kill some geese. And plus they make a mess. So, and ducks are cute. There you go. Yeah. Uh, trout or lingcod? Lingcod, hundred oh. percent. Oh my god, no question. Best fish in the sea. Um, cooking or eating? Oh, I, I'm a cook. Yeah. Okay. Well, I like to eat in a nice restaurant. Like we we do a lot of eating too. So, but I love to cook. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Remington or Winchester? Uh, I don't. Uh, I think. I don't know. No, I I have a Seiko. Does that help? I'm not. Yeah, a, yeah. Me either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the last one, just for you. <laughs> Uh, Garibaldi or Golden Ears? Oh, good question too. Thanks, I appreciate you. <laughs> so I, I, I used to manage. I, I just switched switched my position from managing Golden Ears and a bunch of bunch of provincial parks uh, on that side of things, and then I just took over Garibaldi. But I'll tell you, Garibaldi is by far, you know, it's just a spectacular wilderness area with some incredible hiking and stuff, and uh, beautiful, you know, glaciers and. Yeah, it's 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 a world class, you know, ecological features and, and geomo- ge- geomorphology is pretty spectacular there. <laughs> Having said that, Golden Ears is this <laughs> incredible place that is like it's not remarkable in any way. It's not remarkable in terms of the forest or the mountains, but it's like it's this inc- this is huge park, like it's huge and it's right next to Vancouver, like. Anybody mm-hmm. in the lower mainland can get to Golden Ears in an hour's drive. And a lot of people live 20 minutes away from this park. And there's 500 campsites and there's a lake to swim in and there's incredible hiking up into the Alpine and there's rivers to swim in and hike along. And it, it's the first place that people get to connect with a park and wilderness. It's the first place that people get to go camping. It's the first place that people can really learn to be in nature and decompress and all the wonderful things that come from, from nature. So golden Ears right. is a very special park because it is the proximity to the urban center 
and the size of it that it creates this welcoming place for people to get to soak in nature is pretty special. Awesome. That's it. You won. Okay. Did I win? Did I? Okay. You win. Good. You win. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, no, that's great. Thanks for participating. It's, uh, it's always fun to run people through the, the trivia mill. I find <laughs> I guess good. I think it's pretty active and fun. I've been trying to build on my, I've kind of been building on sponsor questions and stuff to kind of make things more interesting and yeah, get that stuff out of folks. And so, so what's, uh, what are you guys doing? Like, what are you guys excited about next month? What's happening for, for your hunts? And you must be thinking deer hunting. We're, uh, we're going out on the first to opening day for rifle down in the prairies. I have a, a muley draw jag down there. Mm-hmm. So going to do some road hunting and see what's up. My old man lives in the area and he has uh, given me awesome news and says he's barely seen anything all year. And it's <laughs> like everything's moved out. So that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, we'll go look around and see if we can't find a beer or two. <laughs> I'm going to take down a six by six by six whitey. That's my goal. Uh, yeah. Really? And because you have, you have luck like that. Is that for real? So, are, you, are you going to hold out for a six by six? Is that a thing? Can you do that well, in you, Alberta? You started with a four by four last year. You got a five by five, and why not? I got to. I have. To, I'm going to have to. No, I'm. If it's got more than three horns, I'm probably going to pop. <laughs> Ideally, it's... you know how good whitetail meat is, right? It's not worth going through a year yeah. without whitetail meat in your freezer. No, no, yeah. no, not, no. Yeah. And I'm actually uh, uh, Matt's a bit of terrible uh, shot, an anomaly. And Matt's terrible shot. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I've actually I used to put in and get uh, a, um, a mule draw down there every other year. Every, every year, every other year. Um. But, and I think this is probably why Matt's dad has said there's not much, like the the exponential spread of the chronic wasting disease mm-hmm. through the mule deer population in southern Alberta has been very, very bad. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I know there's no scientific evidence that shows that it affects humans at all, but I just like every time I'm like, I don't know, do I want to eat this if because i'm not testing it i mm-hmm. like mark does right like mark stenner's will he'll shoot him and then he'll wait and then like butcher it and everything and sit in his freezer and then six months later he'll get the test back because i guess i'm throwing it out and i just i can't i can't do that i was like guess what kids you're eating it and hopefully it doesn't make you stupid <laughs> <laughs> the, uh... but i just i'm not i, I don't want to do mule deer down there much anymore i think unless i got like like a good uh like a good buck draw like go for a bruiser or something but i'm I'm more into the whitetail i think at this point the cwd yeah. is uh it's traveling it's right up to the city of calgary now and so yeah uh i think on the eastern parts of the province you don't even need to test for it anymore so it's mandatory testing. It was at least when I was paying attention, it was mandatory. Uh, but that was for their data collection. Now they just know it's out there. So they don't care if there's data on it anymore. It's just, it is there. Mm-hmm. Shit. 
Yeah, we're, we yeah. haven't had to dive too deep into that over in BC just yet, but I, I suspect it's coming and it's going to be a thing for, for all of us. I just hope that our ecological diversity with the, because we have so many significant breaks in the ecosystems, whether it's mountains and valleys and major lake crossings that it right. holds it at bay a little bit. Um, but I mean, won't be long until it finds its way. Oh, that's terrible. Certainly you have to consider yeah. that like as part of your hunting program. Yeah. It kind of sucks. But... Well, it's when you, you pay or butcher it yourself, you put in all that time and investment into an animal and then you sit and wait. Like, like Darren says, I don't do it. I just kind of just eat it or uh, do whatever. But uh, there is that, that shitty, the shitty feeling where it's like, well, I don't really know. So yeah. I don't like that feeling. No, but... no. And then also, well, I mean, I guess it, the other day, if you take an animal's life and then not be able to eat it kind of sucks in itself. Kind of disrespectful. Yeah, and, and then yeah, I mean, obviously it's it's a diseased animal. There's probably lots of I don't know the ins and outs of how we're supposed to treat uh, or or manage um, CWD, but I'm sure that you know part of it's probably removing infected animals from the population. But what, hey, way to end like a really fun podcast on a bit of a downer, guys. I mean, like I really like <laughs> hanging out with you guys. I was like, where are you guys going hunting? Let's talk hunting plans. It's like. And then we're just yeah, like downers. Yeah. Drove that into the ground. <laughs> okay, so so outside of that, uh, at my old man's place, there's a, a reduction in doe in a muley population, but an explosion in whitetail. Where uh, we haven't seen whitetail into his property in any significant numbers for twenty years. So it's a it's a weird resurgence of a uh, move back into the population. Uh, so that's that's good, and that's where Darren's had success because. I go looking for a muley and he ends up blowing away a nice whitetail. Um, it's where my sixers hanging out. Yeah. yeah. And so we went up to his property last year near the end of the month. Uh, so I think we're going to do that probably again this year and end of uh, month, yeah. see if we can find the, the elusive whitetail on his property. They're out there. I just walked a bunch of the trails and some of the size of those whitetail prints, like the buck prints were fucking huge. And I'm excited because I'm never going to see them, but they're there. I'm going to have to do the audiobook thing. I think it's like sit there and not move for about six hours. Can you, is it, is it, are they in, what, what kind of ecosystem are they in? Like, are they we fields? We got a creek. Or, or is there timber? It's all forest. Uh, we got cool. a, we got a seven acre hay field and then it's just forest and a, and a creek. Cool. Can you sneak through the forest and sneak up on them? Do you think? It's, it's hard yeah, with the, the, well, yeah, we, that was weird. The, the snowpack and the, the sounds you make when you walk in our forest is, it seems really hard to, to sneak. I was going to ask you, how you, how do you manage that? How do you, how do you walk around a forest where every creek, every step is a, a, a bristle of, of crunch of snow or crack of ice? Dead falling. Yeah. There's very few days a year where it's, there's enough humidity to dampen the leaves to make it just almost silent walking through the trees. Yeah, I just I totally know what you mean. Those are those are days that I sit and try to read read my audiobook or listen to my audiobook or play chess. Is that when you can't move while they're making noise and yeah, that's uh yeah, there's a, I have a I did an online course on still hunting as well. It was one of the first ones cuz I I think it's something that people don't talk about enough and and haven't really like broken it down as a process. So um another one to look for is there still hunting 
online workshop. I'll I'll send you guys as a, a, a both the the still hunting and the elk hunting workshop as a, you guys uh, as a as a as a as a gift for having me on, and you can check them out and let me know what you think. Oh, I appreciate that. That's yeah. incredibly generous. Yeah. yeah. Um, but everyone else should sign up for those because they sound amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's a, this is the vast listening audience of the podcast the world. <laughs> yeah, in the podcast world these days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, Dylan. I mean, thanks. We've taken up uh, much more of your time than we originally scheduled. So I appreciate you hanging around and chit chatting. Um, thanks for telling us your incredible stories. Like you painted an awesome picture in my mind, anyways, of this wicked elk hunt through the, the <laughs> cursed river. The cursed and, river, uh, yeah. and, uh, yeah, we had a blast. Thanks for coming on and, and bullshitting with us and having a drink. Yeah, totally. Well, nice to hang out. It's always great to hear perspectives of hunting and you get so caught up in your own little world here and you know what we get to think about and talk about and, there's a whole other country of hunters that are doing cool things and having different experiences. So it's fun to, fun to hang out and yeah, no, I really appreciate it. So totally. well, well, let's stay connected. I'd, I'd love to hear about the, how the rest of your seasons are going and uh, good to meet you folks. And let's keep, keep connected on the, in the podcast world. I'm going to try and have Will you guys do. on. If you, if you find that six point out, I definitely want to have you on. So um, <laughs> yeah. My, <laughs> You might have My... to glue a tine or something to it. <laughs> right on, fellas. What a pleasure. Matt, nice to meet you. Welcome. Darren. Yes, sir. Great job. Cool. I was enjoying it. I was listening to your mental health podcast just before I jumped on here, and I was enjoying it. So I'll check out more oh, of your guys' stuff. Look forward to it. Awesome. Right. Thank you, sir. Thanks very much. Okay. Hey, nobody. Don't forget to check out MutteringPines.com for our line of apparel and follow us on social and anywhere you listen to or watch your favorite podcasts. And remember... Keep on choochin'.